It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Brought to you by Fetch Me. Our friends at Fetch Me just want to say they're, they're not like anybody else in the business right now. Fetch Me is the only food delivery service that allows customers to order anything they want. And they have the longest delivery hours in town. They're also the only food delivery service that is a true part of the Auburn family. The creed is embedded in their fabric and they routinely, re, wow, retune. Okay, they give back to the university <laughs> a lot. They were they were big. Uh, they're, they're always involved in um, the B Bama food drive and, and and several other things. And they're they're Auburn people, and so support them. Support them, and it's going to help yourself as well. So, use promo code Fetch Me Twenty for your first delivery free. Also, download the Fetch Me app or go to FetchMeDelivery.com. You won't regret it, and you will uh, you won't be hungry much after you order that. So. They also could do dry cleaning and get you coffee and, and all kinds of stuff. If it can physically be delivered, they're going to they're gonna be able to take care of you. So, once again, longest hours in town as well, and it's local. Can't beat that. Coming up on today's show, you can tell by the title, it's going to be a crossover episode with, um, with Locked On Gators. Looking forward to that. But first, I, wanna, I wanted to answer a voicemail that we got. So, l- let's just jump into that. More basketball talk today. Hey, Zach. This is Ben from North Georgia. Hey, Ben. I just... I uh, was listening to the podcast uh, from today, and I just had something that I was wondering what your reaction was to it. Now, Auburn playing against Alabama, obviously it was a horrible game. Sure. Uh, and I think everybody that's saying it's probably the worst they've played all year is spot on. But nobody seems to be talking about how bad the coaching was for Auburn in that game. Uh, just for example, and maybe it's just me, but that was some of the sloppiest passing I've ever seen. And not only was it sloppy, it was just lazy. Um, and it never seemed like Bruce, who I've come to expect over the years watching it, never seemed to step in and get that corral, pull his guys to the side, call a timeout, and go, hey, you know, you got to fix that. I mean, it's one thing to get outplayed. It's another thing when you're just basically giving away points to the other team. And when you watch a guy, I believe it was Javon McCormick, who got picked off somewhere delayed in the first half, mm-hmm. and a guy took it coast to coast, didn't even make it an effort to even chase the guy down the court. He just dropped his head, put his hands on his knees, and just fouled down right there in utter defeat. I just, you know, from a coaching standpoint, I keep watching this, waiting for Bruce to do something, yank the guy off the court, stir these guys up. Hey, you can't be this sloppy. But nothing ever happened. So I don't know what y'all think is on it, but... Either or, that's what I saw. All right. I think it'll get corrected. Uh, I agree. Bruce is known to being able to go through a little bit of slumps like this, but get everybody reeled back in. But either or, War Eagle, love the podcast. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you calling. Yeah, that's um, those are interesting points. You know, one of those things, uh, the bottom line, the big picture here is nobody wanted to be there for Auburn. Nobody. The fans did. It sounds like the fans did a great job as far as representing the Auburn fan base and traveling. They kind of took that call to action. The team, they didn't play to what they were capable of. They played their worst game of the season. And I mean, just like players, coaches have off nights. And I think, I think it's maybe a good thing. Glass half full way to look at it is 
Auburn, they got all of their bad nights all at once, so you don't have to worry about other people having bad nights um, when other people are good, and maybe you know you lose a close one or something like that. Uh, that is definitely the glass half full way to look at it. As far as Bruce, you know, yanking a guy out of the rotation because they're playing poorly, specifically, I mean, you, you mentioned Javon McCormick having a hustle issue. My question is, okay, you take him out. Who's your backup point guard? That's the biggest weakness of this team. Is all right. Who, who's taking the, the the basketball down the court? We've seen Samir do it some, but clearly they, they don't they don't think Turbo is ready to be that backup point guard. Think he's gonna be the backup point guard next year. He's gonna have to be. And then as far as anybody else, this team isn't last year's team. I mean, when you think about what last year's team was, the reason they were so good down the stretch is because they were so deep. I mean, the majority of the guys playing right now and winning all these games were backups on last year's team. I mean, think about that. And you're just not going to be able to have that kind of depth multiple years in a row. Not in basketball. It's just not going to happen. And so that's going to be part of it, is the guys that are playing right now are the guys that you got. You may see some guys step up and get more minutes throughout the year. Jamal Johnson will play some minutes, you know, some night he'll play a lot of minutes another. You may see Stretch Bola get, you know, five or six minutes a game towards the end of the year. But for the most part, unless there's a big injury, the minutes that you're seeing each and every night, that's it. That's what you're getting. That's just how college basketball works. And I think what we saw last year spoiled Auburn fans a little bit. And I'm not talking about the Final Four run, but just the overall depth. Having legitimately 10 to 11 guys that if they were on the court, it was fine. Things were okay. There wasn't this dramatic drop-off unless Jared Harper went off the court. But then, I mean, Javon McCormick played the postseason of his life last year. So th- those are things that all- this Auburn team is going to have to overcome. And that's just that's just part of it. Appreciate your call, Ben. And uh, if, if folks get, if you get excited or if you see something that, that you want us to talk about during the game, Call us. Call the Locked On Auburn Podcast voicemail machine, 205-502-4285. Go ahead and save that number in your phone. And just, yeah, just call us. And, you know, Jeremy did it um, Wednesday night when he was leaving Coleman, headed back to Birmingham. Do it. You know, if you're, if you're watching it at a halftime, you know, you kind of have some halftime thoughts, share them with us. I think, uh, I think that'd be a fun part of the show. So that is 205-502-4285. Coming up, we will chat um, with the folks with Locked on Gators, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Zach Abelverde, we, uh, we chatted with him when we did the crossover episode when Auburn went to Gainesville for football, and the Florida people lit me up. <laughs> so um, I think I'm going to be a little bit nicer to the Florida folks now because uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about uh, tomorrow's game. So that's, uh, that's coming up. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. If your company is interested in advertising and marketing to men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Auburn is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want to advertise to male listeners between 18 and 44, this is your chance. Plus, 
Our rates are pretty reasonable. Email me at LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com to get more information. I look forward to hearing from you. All right, it's time for a Locked On crossover. We got uh, Zach Blackerby here with, with Locked On Auburn. And, of course, we have the other Zach, Zach Abelverde with Locked On Gators. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, Zach. Always good to uh, to talk to a fellow Zach about some SEC sports. We obviously had our episode during football season, and now we uh, we got to talk some hoops as the Tigers come to town on Saturday. Man, I upset a bunch of your listeners during football season. <laughs> and uh, let me just apologize. I, I was wrong. <laughs> I was totally wrong about that game. And you know, there's this uh, there's this running joke now on Locked On Auburn. I've been extremely confident going into three games. Uh, in the past year, and it was it was going into Florida, which Auburn lost. It was going into the Outback Bowl, which Auburn lost to, to Minnesota. And then it was Auburn basketball going into Alabama on Wednesday night. 0 for 3 when I'm extremely confident. So uh, you guys started that trend. <laughs> well, to be fair, and we'll talk about some football at the end of this show, sure. but uh, you know that was an incredible game. I think took a, it, probably one of the plays of LaMichael Pirine's career yeah. uh, to kind of steal it. For Florida, but you look at the season Auburn had, man. I mean, they could have won easily all of the big games that they were in. I mean, it was it was a one-score, tightly contested game in pretty much every every contest. And obviously, ending the season with the win over Alabama, mm-hmm. still a really successful year, I think, for Auburn. Yeah, yeah, I think both Auburn and Florida in very good situations going into 2020 for for football. But yeah, Zach, let's talk a little basketball action. So we, we were talking before we uh, we got going and started recording this thing, and you were telling me that you wanted Auburn to be undefeated going into that that Florida game, and, and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of Gator Nation felt that way. Yeah, obviously, anytime you you, you get a chance to face a top five team, take, uh, face an SEC team, and then face an undefeated team, it raises the stakes, and I think gets fans a little bit more anticipated to go to the O Dome. But that's not going to take away from the matchup on Saturday. I think fans are looking forward to this. Bruce Pearl, I mean. He is a draw, I think, for any SEC crowd. Yeah. Uh, when Auburn comes to town, especially with how good they've been lately, it's something that you look forward to. And you know, had they been able to beat Alabama, that would have just added more juice to it. But this is a huge and very important matchup for Florida. I mean, we all know going into the year, they were the team that was with the top 10, top 5 ranking and right. had all these high expectations. And maybe folks thought that they would ha- have a chance to be undefeated at this point in the year. But it's been Auburn that's really stole the show. And I think for Florida and the fans here to see what the future is for this team this season, a lot of it is you'll find out on Saturday, depending on how they play against the Tigers. Yeah. I mean, and it's big for both teams and, you know, you can put all the storylines in there that you want, but I think, I think a big one is you you look at the, the conference as a whole and you can say what you want. It, I mean, I think some of the teams that kind of started out a little bumpy throughout the SEC that we thought were going to be good, you know, I think you could put LSU, I think you could put Florida on that list. They're starting to kind of even out now. So you look at the race at the top, LSU 4-0 in conference play, and then you know, there's, a, there's a handful of teams that are 3-1. and Auburn and Florida are, are, are both on that list with Arkansas and Kentucky, and I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, this is this is big. I mean, it, whoever loses this game tomorrow is is going to probably be two two games back from LSU. And I mean, you obviously don't want that at any point in the season. At least it's still early in conference play. There's a lot of basketball to be played. But as far as that race to the top to win the regular season in the SEC, it's it's going to be big. It's going to be a big game tomorrow. 
And and to be honest with you, Zach, I, I think for for Mike White, uh, that's something that is very important to him this year. I think Florida, as well as other teams in the league, there is a chance for several to to come out of this thing with the conference championship, just because of the parity that we've already seen and the fact that several teams show that they're beatable. And but for Mike White and how important year five is for him, he hasn't won a conference title, he hasn't won a tournament title. Uh, in the SEC. So uh, this is big for him, especially if Florida, let's say they're not able to live up to their final four expectations and, and, you know, really go far in the NCAA tournament. I think because of the roster that he's put together, it's going to be very key for him to try and get an SEC title, be it regular season or tournament. And this game could go a long way in determining that. Uh, and, And the same way with Auburn and you know, you can talk about the Tigers now and the start that they've had to their season. In in your estimation, what do you make of the way that they've been able to kind of come out of the gate? And, and, and what are some of the reasons why they were able to get off to that undefeated start before we talk about the loss at Alabama? Yeah, sure. I, I think some of it is, I mean, Auburn is playing tremendous defense right now. The big question for this team is, there's, you know, what are they going to do on nights where they just can't shoot the basketball? That's what happened on Wednesday night. And, I mean, that's really kind of happened in a lot of Auburn's close games. And you've seen them, especially a few early on. You know, they played Dayton. They played South Alabama. Not, you know, top 25 teams by any means. But they played a lot of teams to make the tournament each and every year. And that was kind of what Bruce Pearl was going after when he built this schedule. But they they won a few close games that they shouldn't have early on. And so... They, they escaped a few uh, few probable losses early on in the season, and then they, they look at it, and like, you look up, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're 15-0. They're and, <laughs> and then, uh, and then they, they finally played a team that could score uh, and kind of wear them down over the course of a game. And, I mean, Auburn, Auburn, this team is not last year's team. This team, it, they can't shoot. I mean, just to kind of put it, put it bluntly, is most nights they are not able to shoot. Now, I do think with the ability that they have playing defense, there's going to be nights, and we saw it against Georgia this past week, when when they shoot above 50% from the floor, they're probably going to win. They're probably going to win. Now, it's just a question of how often is that going to happen. I think it's happened twice in conference play. I believe they did it against Mississippi State as well. Actually, I don't think that's true because they shot so poorly in the first half. They shot great in the second half and ended up winning by a, by a good bit, but... This team, if they shoot over 50%, they're going to win. But it's just, they don't have shooters, Zach. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, they're gone. And the guard play that Auburn's had so far has just been so inefficient. And some nights they click and it's super hot. And and other nights it hasn't. So if you're on the Auburn side of things and you're looking at this basketball team, it's, okay, they really haven't played that well yet offensively. And and they're 15-1. and Now, the other side of it is, okay, you kind of look at all these players and you're like, where is the efficiency going to come from? And if you ask me, I I don't think it's going to start tomorrow. I don't think it's going to start on the road in Gainesville. So I think it's going to be a really tough one for Auburn to win. Yeah, it's it's interesting to, to, to hear that perspective. And, and, and obviously, you know, I think you give a lot of credit to Bruce Pearl with some of those, I think, deficiencies that they're dealing with, the fact that they've still been able to have the winning record yeah. that they have, I think, for the Gators this season – they haven't been able to overcome some of those issues. I mean, they came into the season, as I mentioned, with the hype, but it was pretty clear early on that what everybody saw on paper with this Florida team in terms of the recruiting additions from their freshman class and obviously the the addition of Kerry Blackshear Jr. out of Virginia Tech, um, that it was just going to be this 
plug in place and, and all these uh, players were going to kind of mesh right away mm-hmm. and, and they were going to be this dynamic dominant team. And that's not what we saw. They certainly lost to FSU kind of to start the season. And that was the eye opener where everyone realized, you know, maybe pump the brakes on Florida being a, a top 10 team. And they had another t- a tough loss at Xavier. And, and even still, I mean, they've gotten into SEC play, Zach. They're still trying to figure out how to play together at times. And I think for all the pieces that have been put together on this unit, you've got guys that have a lot of experience, like Kerry Blackshear, but he's, you know, the first few months of the season has been trying to figure out his role and, and, and fit in with the team and all of his new teammates coming from Virginia Tech. Then at the same time, he's also trying to lead and help a group of freshmen mm-hmm. that are um, in the same boat as him, trying to blend in, trying to figure out the, the ropes with Mike White's squad. So I think all of those things have been the reason why Florida has been such an up-and-down start to the season. Um, I will say that the fact that they were able to go out and and win the Charleston tournament, that was impressive. Uh, That kind of showed what they were capable of. And the biggest thing that they've done since they got into SEC play is I think Andrew Nemhart has kind of been the catalyst for what we think is them maybe turning the corner because he's kind of figured out everybody's role, all the new additions, what their strengths and weaknesses are, how they play, kind of building chemistry on the court. And he's been able to kind of navigate some of this. And he had a a career game against Alabama, their SEC opener, 25 points. He led them in the overtime to get the win. Then he goes on the road at South Carolina, has his first career Mm -hmm. double-double. Now, against Missouri and and even the other night against Ole Miss, he he didn't put up a lot of points, but just the way that he's the floor general out there for Mike White. and This was the first five-star player that he signed, and I think he's starting to live up to that potential. He showed flashes of it a little bit last year as a freshman, so that's kind of where this Gator team is at, Zach, and the one thing that they have been able to do usually under Mike White is play really good defense. Well, this year that also hasn't been the case. They've been last in the SEC uh, in scoring defense going into the Ole Miss game. They had a really good night against the Rebels, holding them to 55 points. But there's no doubt that they've been a work in progress. They have a lot of talent, but there's just so many new pieces. And, you know, Mike White has, has had a lot of trial and error trying to figure out what's the right answers for these guys. And, and I say all that to say, I think coming into Saturday, this is going to be a test for them, a a chance for them to see how they measure up against not only one of the better teams in the conference, but one of the better teams in the country. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, you know, the more I look at this Florida matchup, and and you and I were talking about this before we we hit record, Zach, but, you know, over the last few weeks, I kind of thought this was going to be the game. I think this is going to be Auburn's first loss, and now obviously that's not going to be the case, but... It's going to be interesting to see how this Auburn basketball team responds to that first loss. It was on the road, and it was against their arch rival. It was against Alabama, and a team that they feel like they're a lot better than. And, I mean, you saw you saw uh, Alabama's ability to score, you know, uh, a few nights ago, or I guess a week or so ago now at this point. But, 
you know, they took Florida to the wire, double overtime. So, I mean, I'm sure that was an exciting game. But it's going to be, I think the big storyline from the Auburn perspective going into this game is, all right, how do you respond? You lost your first one. You went on an incredible run. It's exciting. One of the best in Auburn basketball history. How do you respond to it? Because, man, this team was rattled. This team was really affected by that loss, and you know there the were reports coming out that, that you know there was there was some really frustrated folks in the locker room afterwards. You mm. know some of that is good. You know I mean you lose on the road to a team you shouldn't, and that team's the team that you hate more than anybody. Like okay, you you want to be upset a little bit, but can you get over it? How quick can you get over it? And you know do you let that you let it fuel you? You know do you, so you can be crisp and practice the following few days before you head on the road again. I don't know. I mean, going to Tuscaloosa, then turn around, having a couple of days of practice, then going down to Gainesville, I mean, that's just tough. That's no a doubt. tough situation for anybody. And so, especially when this Florida team, like you talking, I mean, it, it seems like they're starting to gel and get better. I'm not convinced that Auburn's gotten a whole lot better since the start of conference play just because no one's really stepped up offensively. I think, uh, you know, kind of the, the game within the game is going to see, like, what, what does Austin Wiley do down low? In the non-conference, he was spectacular. He kind of finally turned into the player that Auburn wanted him to be ever since he was a freshman. And, you know, he, he he's still getting double-doubles and only playing 20 minutes or so a game. So that's that's exciting. Is he going to be able to do that against Florida? And, you know, I mean, you, you could probably answer this question better than me as far as, you know, how do the guys bang down low. But that's going to be a big storyline for me because that's he's kind of been Auburn's most efficient scorer, him and then Isaac Okoro. Uh, the, the starting small forward, uh, Auburn feels like he's going to be a lottery pick. You're starting to see him go up and up and up in, in NBA mock drafts. So uh, it's really going to come down to those two guys. And, you know, does Javon McCormick or Samir Dowdy, Auburn's two guards, can one of them get out of the slump that they're in? And, you know, mm-hmm. it, if the answer is no, then Florida's going to win this game. And I don't think it's close. That's interesting stuff, man. I, I think for on the Florida side of things, you definitely look at Kerry Blackshear. I think each and every game, yeah. he's the reason the Gators go where they don't. Whether he is able to kind of find his production. I mean, he's had a lot of games where he's gotten in double figures. Right. He's had a lot of double-double performances. But at the same time, he's had a lot of games where he's gotten in foul trouble. And when he is not on the floor, you can tell. I mean, it just they look like a totally different team. The offense doesn't operate in the same way. They run a lot of stuff through him, as you would imagine. So that's kind of been the one thing that has been the bugaboo for this team. And you'll have to watch out for on Saturday. You you mentioned what's going to happen in the paint. That's going to be a goal for Auburn is to try to get him into foul trouble. Because when he sits down, Florida just does not have uh, the depth behind him to really go out there on the floor and and have the presence. And I think that he has, to Kerry's credit, done a better job of staying out of foul trouble in recent games. And certainly the, the game that he had against Alabama, that was probably one of the, the, the more notable ones where he had four fouls and, and played over 10 minutes and was just a, able to uh, avoid getting another whistle. And, 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 and Alabama, to their credit, they kept coming at him and attacking him, and he just did his best to still stay there but but not commit a foul, obviously. So I think from an offensive end and then getting him in foul trouble on the defense, that's going to be a key for Auburn and Florida because mm-hmm. depending on what he does, like the other night against Ole Miss, I mean, he didn't get into any foul trouble. He was on the floor a lot, and it really helped that team run away with the game. And I think the other thing that you that you want to watch for is, is on the defensive end, uh, just as a team. I mentioned how Florida has really kind of had a defensive drop-off so far this season. 
under Mike White. I think a lot of that has to do with the new personnel and, and you know, whether they're running their defensive schemes and, and having trouble communicating, having trouble adjusting, whatever it may be. That's been as much of a work in progress on the defensive end as it has been for Florida on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Can they come into this game against Auburn, who, as you said, has struggled at times offensively and take advantage of that and, and really lock down defensively? I think they had 28 deflections in the game against the Rebels. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really got after it after losing at Missouri. And I don't know if you caught this, Zach, but Mike White called it in his nine years the worst defensive performance that he's ever had from one of his teams. And that was the 91-point uh, uh, loss that they had uh, where they, they let Missouri put up all those points. So they really responded against the Rebels, and, and I think that they're going to have to do that on Saturday against Auburn if they're going to get the win. Yeah, I mean, I think this game is going to end in the ballpark of, of Florida scoring around 80 and Auburn scoring a little more than 70. So I'm thinking like a – an 80-72 to 72 win for Florida. And then that kind of puts Auburn in a situation that we saw a little bit later than this time a year ago. But, you know, they, they got killed by Kentucky, and then they uh, they went on and, you know, went on that run that they had to the Final Four. But I, I, think, I think it's going to take a few losses for this team to wake up and realize that they've either got to do something different or they've got to get better at what they're doing. If I'm Florida, I'm giving Auburn the three. If I'm, if I'm in charge of putting a, a game plan together I'm giving them the deep shot because they just haven't been able to shoot I mean they're shooting right at 25 percent from three every time that I look at a box score after the game and so Mm. I I just that's not good enough and and they're they're hacking up a lot of threes it's not like they're attacking the basket and when you look at their personnel like Samir Dowdy he likes to attack the basket Isaac Okoro is doing it consistently because you know he's not taking that jump shot as much but I mean they've even got some of their their uh their their down low players just throwing up threes the thing is, is it worked last year. It worked for a long time. It worked for about two or three months spread, and it got him to the Final Four, and that was exciting. But it's just this isn't last year's team. And as far as you know, wearing them out and making them run with you, I don't think it's a particularly deep team. I think they're top-heavy, and I think they play a lot of really good defense, and there's just going to be nights where they're not going to be able to score, and they're kind of in a slump right now. So I th- that's just kind of my prediction. That's what I think is going to happen. So, um now, now you mentioned the Final Four run. I do, I do want to ask you some big picture stuff with Auburn. I mean, obviously Bruce Pearl is this larger than life figure yeah. in the sport, and I'm sure ever since you know he stepped foot on that campus, he's made a difference with that basketball program. But just how huge was that Final Four run last season, and what has that done to you know raise the profile or expectations uh, of the team there in Auburn? So when I was, I, I grew up here locally in Auburn, and I remember uh, in high school, my dad would pick me up uh, from school and we'd go grab dinner. And then we would go to the, the old Beardies Coliseum for, uh, to watch a basketball game on a Wednesday night. And there'd be like 200 other people there outside of the students. And now you look at the ticket prices this past Saturday when Auburn, um, when Auburn hosted Georgia. The cheapest seat in there was $260 on StubHub. And wow. it's, it's just it, it's crazy how much the culture – I mean, it's – I mean, seats at Auburn Arena right now are like gold after that Final Four run. I'm curious to see how much it drops off now that they're not undefeated because, you know, Auburn is a Auburn is a football first fan base, and I don't think they've quite you know adjusted to to college basketball and you know how a loss isn't that big of a deal as it is in, in, in football. I think they're still kind of <laughs> kind of adjusting, just to be honest. But as far as big picture, I mean, you've seen. Bruce Pearl's getting commits from guys that have no business committing to Auburn basketball. You know, a few years ago, I mean, Sharif Cooper's going to kind of be 
the next guy, you know, he's expected to be a lottery pick two drafts from now. You know, they were able to bring Isaac Okoro in, who, you know, people are expecting to be a lottery pick this year. So, I mean, from a big-picture standpoint, it's totally changed the culture. And, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, every time a commentator talks about Auburn Arena and, and the jungle, you know, they talk very highly of it. And, you know, Auburn's going to go into a situation tomorrow that it's a tough place to play because Florida's been good at basketball for a lot longer than Auburn has. And so uh, I think they're catching up. I think they're catching up, and I think the culture is evolving, and I think the fan base is kind of figuring out, you know, the ins and outs of basketball and and how things work and what's important and what's not. And so they're trying to catch up with Florida in regards to being a football and a basketball school. But you guys have kind of dubbed that, I think, better than anybody. Yeah, well, and obviously it's interesting here in Gainesville with Mike White. Uh, he just had a milestone here with his 100th career win. I saw UF that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny, Zach. I mean, he he certainly is, has done a lot of good here since he took over in terms of the things that he's accomplished, you know, four 20-win seasons to, to out of the gate. He's the only coach in school history that, that had done that. And now he gets to 100 wins. He did it in four games later. Then Billy Donovan. I mean, you know, it's kind of the same stretch, sure. same season, same success rate. And yet, uh, I mean, there are still so many fans here that are not sold on Mike White that still, uh, you know, have questions about the future with him mm-hmm. and, and whether or not he can get the Gators over the hump in terms of a championship. Now, he's done really good with recruiting. He's obviously won a lot of games. But can he get the Gators to that next level? And, I mean, this was the year, obviously, that everybody – kind of had under the microscope because of where he's at and developing the program and the talent that he's put together. And this is one of those games and one of those tests where we'll find out if uh, they're going to eventually kind of get to that next stratosphere as a program under White. So I really like him. I I think that he's, uh, you know, he's good for the players. He's created a good culture there. I Mm -hmm. think he knows X's and O's. It's just um, getting all the right pieces, and, and as Bruce Pearl knows, I mean, sometimes you just kind of need some luck and things ball to bounce your way, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out here um, moving forward. And I'll, we'll also see what happens in 2020 with SEC football. We touched on it to start, Zach, but I think looking at it going into next season, the Gators and Tigers are both in really good shape as far as trying to compete for an SEC championship next year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Real quick before we jump head first into, into football, you got a pick for tomorrow's game? Yeah, man, you know, I, I would have I'm, – I'm with you, man. I, 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 I kind of came into this matchup thinking Florida, you know, going into the week and even prior to uh, the loss that Auburn had at Alabama – that kind of makes me a little weary because I, I have to think that the Tigers are going to come in there with a chip on their shoulder. Um, and, and, and like you said, maybe that one game is the only wake-up call that they needed to kind of really turn it around. But I still think Florida should be able to get the win because it's in the O-Dome and yeah. because they've been playing some good basketball in SEC play. But it would not surprise me at all to see Auburn come in there and get the win, despite the loss that they're coming off of. I, I think that, if anything, that could be something that, that gets them motivated for this matchup. Yeah, yeah. As far as uh, your comments on on football, yeah, I mean, Auburn and Florida, I think they have the, t- the, the best two quarterbacks. Situ- I mean, as far as quarterback situations, I think they've got, they're, they're sitting at the top in the SEC going into 2020, you know, and I, I think you saw them both, both – uh, and, and the showdown in Gainesville last year, I think 
I think Bo Nix will be a little bit better next year, and you know he's going to get more help. I mean, Auburn's offense last year was just so bad. It was just so bad. And, I mean, there was nothing they could do against that Florida defense last year. So you, you guys saw that firsthand. And I think with what Dan Mullen's doing, I mean, I've always been a big fan of him, even back when he was back in, in Mississippi State. So, I mean, quarterbacks under him just get better and better. So, I mean, Florida's at a prime spot to take the East. And, you know, Auburn fans are kind of looking at, at Georgia, who's y'all's biggest competition on that half of the conference. And it looks like they're as vulnerable as they've been since Kirby Smart's been there. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, this is the year for Florida, at the very least, to win the East. I mean, they yeah. got to get themselves in Atlanta next year just just because of the trajectory of the program. And I think every season you, you kind of accomplish more things. And, and now going into year three, because Georgia has lost so much, um, th- this is the time. And I think looking in the West, I, I think if you're Auburn, and you consider the fact that they Alabama long, no longer has Tua and LSU no longer has Burrow, and, and you have your quarterback situation not only figured out, but you've got a really dynamic player there. Um, there's a lot, I've seen a lot of love for Auburn next season, Zach, and a lot of people thinking that, that they could potentially be the favorite in the West. So it's going to be fun to watch it play out, man. I, I like it to where it's. You know, you're going into a season and, and you're talking throughout the offseason about, you know, two or three teams that could potentially win as opposed to how it's been in some recent years where it's just kind of been the Alabama-Georgia show. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. I mean, so many questions this offseason. You know, and you mentioned you mentioned a good bit of them. But, yeah, it's like LSU, how, how much do they fall off? Certainly seems like they're going to. Uh, you know, is Nick Saban vulnerable in Tuscaloosa? And I think I think the rest of the conference hopes so. But <laughs> yeah, I think Florida is in a great spot. I think they're absolutely in a great spot. I'm not buying what South Carolina is doing. I think the Kentucky trend is, is going to kind of level out. Tennessee, I think Tennessee took a big step forward last year. Man, you know, can they do if they do that again? Is, is that are they close enough to to possibly be a threat to Florida? It's going to be a lot of fun, and, and I can't wait for media days to to see. Oh where where everybody vote. I mean, there's just so many storylines. Then you know the the two new coaches in Mississippi. That's going to be so much fun to see those guys interact and and talk. I mean, the Egg Bowl is going to be as exciting as it's ever been. Yeah, um, I've never looked forward to an Egg Bowl, but I'm definitely looking forward to it this season. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, what the SEC is doing. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be better, but I think it's going to be more entertaining, and that's 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 why we do this, right? Yeah, no doubt, man. And I think we're going to get an entertaining game on Saturday. Always uh, excited when Auburn comes to town. Was definitely excited when they came to town for football, but yeah. definitely when Bruce Pearl is uh, is making his way. So, Zach, it was great to catch up with you once again, man, and, and get your perspective on Auburn and uh, talk about this, this matchup that we got once again. Yeah, thank you so much, Zach. And uh, you've got a great name, one. And then two, once again, apologize to all of your listeners for ticking them off during football season. But, hey, maybe I inspired your team. Maybe that's why it worked out that way. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think all the players are sitting around <laughs> listening to our crossover episode that Friday, and they go, you know what? We're going to go out there and get the W because of, of those comments from Zach. Yeah, let, let's own it. Let's own it. Hey, man, good chatting with you, man. Absolutely, bud. Take care, man. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.